Have you ever experienced something so crippling in your life that has made you feel broken? I have. Are you someone who has a giving heart but is struggling to feel good themselves? Are you consistently putting your needs aside to take care of everyone else? If so, you're not alone. Giving starts with giving to yourself so that you are able to give of yourself to other people. Isn't it time you took back control and discovered what makes you tick? Join me in my journey and find out how you can feel better about yourself, live your best life, and share that with others. Thinking of yourself, it doesn't make you selfish. It makes you brave. I'm Nelia, and this is the Giving Starts With You podcast. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Giving Starts With You podcast. I'm your host, Nelia Hutt, and uh, I really appreciate you coming on again this week to listen to another beautiful story. Um, I've just made a new friend. Her name is Bobby Malatesta, and um, Bobby's from the States. Where are you coming in from, Bobby? I'm coming in from one of the Cal- Carolinas today. I'm on my way back, headed back to upstate New York tonight. Cool. That's awesome. Thanks for pulling over and, uh, you know, doing the interview. This is awesome. Two busy women entrepreneurs making it work, right? That's it. Thank you for being (laughs) so uh, adaptable. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. So Bobby um, is a podcast host as well. She has her own podcast um, and the title is 321 No Kidding. I love that title. Congratulations. It's awesome. Thank you. Today, she's going to talk about um, some self-care, some devotion and positivity, as those are the pillars of her success. And she's transitioning into a full-time coach and um, she has a VA uh, business, correct? Correct. What's going on? All good stuff. (laughs) VA, for those of you who don't know, or virtual assistant. Correct. Awesome. So yeah, so Bobby's got some things she wants to talk about and her story is going to be very, very inspiring to those of you who are listening. And uh, so grab a nice warm drink if you're you like me in Canada or out in cold parts of the States and enjoy the show. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I will try to give you the semi-abridged version. And I really appreciate being here because it's an opportunity for me to demonstrate my mission, which is to raise awareness around gambling addiction. I was a gambling addict for pretty much all of my adult life. I've had a combined total of almost six years without a bet now. I did have a relapse in the middle, so we're coming up on four years. But when I'm on other shows like this, or I have a new audience, I try to just bring to light some things about how easy it is to become a gambling addict. One of the examples that I use frequently is the arcades with children. And people don't think about skee-ball or those games with the money or the claws. You're putting money in, you get a rush, and you get a reward. It's no different than a slot machine or, or playing a game of cards. And it's something that I'm, I just want parents to be aware of. I'm not saying they can't go to the arcade, but starting young is how it happened for me. I was playing poker at eight, nine, 10 years old, nickel dime, going to bingo with the grandmas to church, you know, all these things that are normalized in our culture. And 
I'm actually on my way back from Disney and Universal. And yet, and two days ago when I was at Universal, I was walking by this attraction and the the catch was you were hearing the characters talk about the action, you know, like I'm standing next to Dr. Seuss hearing things about gambling. So as as a country, as a world, honestly, because it's not exclusive to the US, it's a problem. So I just like to draw some attention to that. I I believe that my addiction served a purpose. I think that my life experience and the gambling and my personality and the fact that I was able to survive gambling because most of the stories end in either jail or suicide or insane asylums. I mean, it's really scary what can happen. And because it's a behavioral addiction, like if you, if you abuse alcohol and drugs, your body shuts off. But gambling, you go until you run out of money. And in some cases, and I have quite a few friends that I've met through treatment, they've gone to jail for embezzling and stealing. And I mean, they're good, beautiful women and people doing bad things because the addiction inspires them to do so, I guess. Um, and I'm still on the fence about the whole calling it a disease or not. Yeah, yeah. And in the brain, the more I research, it's it's the same kind of stuff. Your brain lights up. There's neural pathways. I'm not a scientist. I won't pretend to be able to explain it. I, I actually had a moment yesterday. Now I haven't bet in in a while. And as I was walking around, I was seeing landmarks within the park that were also on slot machines. One of my favorite slot machines when I was gambling had um, the Japanese flavor and the, I think it's called the pagoda, the, the big red thing. And it got in my sub with that lingering. So even though I can't explain the science, I know the impact because I felt it yesterday. I was like such a monster and I had to call myself out on it, which is one of the things I'm blessed to do now with my recovery and the new life that I live. Yeah, there's triggers everywhere. Yes, yes. And, and the key is being prepared for them so that they don't impact you on the level they would have if you were still gambling. And that's part of the message I try to share on my show is if we take care of ourselves, if we get our physical fitness, our mental fitness, sorry about that, it's been a long day. <laughs> um, if we're communicating well, if we're setting boundaries, if we're getting our sleep, we're getting our water, all the things we talk about nowadays, right, that are on the radar. If we do all those things, we're kind of putting our armor on by doing those things. And we can battle the next tough situation and be more prepared so hopefully we don't go back to gambling. Mm. It's not something you, like in my circle, it's not something that I hear a lot about. Like I hear a lot about alcohol, you know, and I hear a lot about drug addiction and and even sex addiction, right? But I don't really hear that much about gambling addiction, to be honest. It's, I think, like you said, it's not like you can't see it in a physical way. So probably it's it's a lot more um, easy to hide. Is that true? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. 
we actually tend to refer to ourselves as compulsive liars as well as gamblers because you're li- everything in your life is a lie when you're gambling, when you cross that line, not the normal, I'm going to a casino on a Friday night with my $20 and, and most people get upset. The people who aren't compulsive gamblers get upset about losing that $20. So I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about those of us that when we have a fight with the guy or a stressful day at work or whatever it is, it's when we go and we hide there and we tune everything out because we're just lost in the bet. I've been, I've been in situations where I get home the next morning and I just have receipts from all my ATM withdrawals. I don't remember making them even sober. Like I didn't really mix alcohol with gambling, but you get in this zone where you're, you're just isolating and you're not mentally present. You're just going through the motions. It's, it's so crazy. It's like a trance. Mm. So congratulations on being four years. Thank Four years you. your recovery. That's amazing. So how long would you say was your journey with, with gambling addiction? Well, like I said, I started young. One of the stories I've, I've shared has been when I was like 18 or 19, I had a pretty good job. I was a floral manager and in a supermarket and I was making $13 an hour, which was, you know, like mm-hmm. a ton of money back then. Yes. <laughs> and here in the here in the States, we have what's called um, income tax checks. So the refund from the federal government was like over $300. And I drove right to the casino, even though I was underage. So I essentially was risking getting arrested. And I gambled away this whole $300. And that was the most money I'd seen in the world up until that point, you know. And um, when I was in my early 20s, I won a car at bingo oh, wow the thing is it was a few days after my now ex-husband had kicked me we were cross-country truck drivers together and he was like okay i'm tired of waking up in casino parking lots you go home to your mom i'll drive in the truck and within two days i was at the casino playing bingo and when i called him to celebrate i was like do i take the car or the money because i had a choice oh and and he goes, are you at the bleep bleep casino? And I was like, uh, yeah, you're supposed to be happy. But he wasn't happy because I was destroying our life. I should, I had no business being there. And once you have a big win, you're chasing it. You think you're always going to get, you're going to get it again. You're lucky. And those who don't have it think they're due for it. So it's, it's, it's <laughs> yes. no matter how you do it. So I continued gambling until, uh, 2013 I had relocated to the Midwest here for my dream job I wanted to be director of floral and I got the job a year ahead of schedule and the first month I was there I lost all my money my rent money my relocation money all of it and I sat in a a Dunkin Donuts parking lot it would it would have been Tim Hortons if I was in Canada yes (laughs) Um, but I, I sat in a Dunkin' Donuts parking lot calling the credit card company saying, you're going to want hundreds of dollars from me and I don't have it. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Ended up getting into the Gamblers Anonymous program in the Midwest. Had a really good community there. Okay. And in hindsight, I know now that I hadn't done all the work. Like I was going to meetings and I thought I was doing what I needed to do, but I still wasn't doing the deep work. 
on my show, I refer to it as, as a bucket, like it's a bucket of negativity. And until we scoop out all that negativity, there's not much room for the positivity. And that positivity is the armor for those situations, right? So I hadn't started sifting through all that the first time. And I ended up in rehab in March of 2017. And that's when, so next year in March will be my four years officially. Um, but I went to rehab and I've never been to jail. Um, I've been to summer camp and this was kind of like a combination of the two, but you lose all your freedom and I'm a pretty independent person. So I signed myself in, which a lot of people either go because of like one of my, my greatest friends, he was suicidal and he went from the psych ward right into treatment and you're either in that place or your friends and family push you to go but it, i had just had enough like i was risking everything if i wasn't gambling i was drinking um if i lost i'd went to the bar afterwards it was just really it's consuming a, like yeah i don't really remember much of 2016 my my sweet 16 year old niece was showing me pictures of her during that time i didn't know who she was like i was like who's in those pictures um, so it was really, it was really pretty bad. And then in treatment, I started doing the digging. It took me till almost the end of my stay. And then it was like massive meltdown. Um, I'm not a fan of being vulnerable and the, the floodgates started to open while I was there. Yeah. The hard work comes when you, when you let that out. Right. If I can ask you a question, um, don't feel like you need to answer, but <laughs> You know, when I speak to somebody who's addicted to drugs or alcohol, um, you know, usually that is the, um, the consequence of the problem with like, you know, there's something that starts, that starts it. Right. And we do those things to numb the pain with gambling, the way you're, you're describing it, it almost sounds like it's the high that you actually get from that and not something that is not like that you feel empty about that leads you to that. Am I right? Or was there something that, you know, that maybe you were struggling with before that led you to that high, that control of gambling? That is very astute of you. And that was an excellent question. And you're right on track. That's it. Whether it's sex addiction, food addiction, alcohol, gambling, they're all coping mechanisms. And that's, it, it's to numb whatever we don't want to deal with as a general rule. This is what I believe. And this has been my experience. And this last year with, with COVID and then circumstance in my life, I had, a, I had a breakup. I went to Asia in January. I was traveling and I came back and my biological father and his mother both died within the same week. Oh, no. And I was, I was estranged from him because he was an alcoholic but I had to throw the funeral because I was next of kin and the trip I was on was a sober trip and I was too scared to drink because I didn't want to text the guy and, and the biological had died from cirrhosis and like there was just, it was the perfect storm this year. And then as we went through COVID and I'm not saying this for, um, for sympathy or anything like that, but as we went through COVID, I lost someone every single month for like the first six months. And it wasn't all COVID, but um, a lot of death. One of my friends died from cancer. It was just on and on and on. 
but I was sober and I wasn't. That's a, that's a lot. At and I'm so, it, it was that it happened the way it did because I had to feel, I had to work through it. I didn't go back to the alcohol. I didn't go back to the gambling. So I had, to, um, I'm on the other side of all that stuff. And, and where my mentality is today is I can see that everything that's ever happened in my life, good, bad, or ugly, was for a reason. And I can look back at all of it with gratitude, like crazy gratitude, because now I'm more relatable to a lot more people that have had all these different struggles in life. And because I'm outgoing and have a big mouth and will do whatever, <laughs> I can get the message out and, you know, I can be there for people and I can serve people in a much better way. And I've become a better person. I, I'm very self-aware. I don't want to end up like my biological father. I want to have good relationships. I want to have boundaries. Um, I figured out my value and my worth in life. Like I did a lot of mindset training around the financials, right? Because how I perceive money as a gambler is different than how most people perceive money. And a lot of it, I believe after doing the work this year stems back to not having money as a kid, blaming my father for that. The men I chose not, not treating me like the way I should have been treated because I didn't understand that I had worth or value. I thought that everybody was like, you know, and I hate saying it's also cliche, like daddy issues. And I'm not blaming him for everything. He was sick too, right? Like that's why he was drinking and popping pills and doing his thing. So I'm just grateful because even, even all the bad decisions I made with men and my ex-husband is not one of them. He was wonderful and still is. Um, I'm still friends with all of them. Like I, I can, I have better relationships now. I have a fulfilling life. I know exactly what I want and I do exactly what I want when I want it. Hence being in a car right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So it's, it's true. Like I keep hearing over and over from different people with different stories and different uh, beliefs that you do have to hit rock bottom before you can turn things around. You know, despite having people around you that want to help you or whatever, if you're not ready, you're just not ready. You're not going to do it for yourself. And I think until you decide that you need to do it for you, that's when things are going to change. You're, you're spot on again. You're good at this. You know, you know, we all deal with our things, right? If it's not addiction, it's something else or self-loathing or whatever it is. And it's just, it's true. I've been in places where it feels so horrible that you just don't know enough to ask for help sometimes. And it's not until you kind of just look at yourself in the mirror or something happens where you're just like, wow, I'm so tired of being tired. I'm so tired of you know, feeling this way about myself and who's going to help me? Like, could be a lot of people. There could be a hundred people sitting here wanting to do an intervention or something, but until you want to do it and it's just, it's hard, it's bad to say, but it, it's true. You know, it's sort of like you're stuck. You're stuck between not wanting to be where you're at, but still wanting to get that high and then turning around and being miserable because the high is just not enough. And then hating the fact that you like, it's just a blame, blame, blame. Right. So how do you feel about what's your relationship like with money now? 
I think I have a very big, big dream and I need a lot of money to make it happen. I want to build recovery playgrounds and like halfway houses for love it. people in addiction. Yeah, that need to start over. So I want to give them um, a home and a, and a job and all of that. So now I view money as a tool mm, for beautiful. my dream, right? I need to make a lot of it, but it's not because I need the, the next iPhone or best car. I don't care about any of that. Um, I'm pretty minimalist and I've always been that way. I've just like, <laughs> people laugh at me because I don't even know who these name brands are. They talk about <laughs> like, I'm like, Oh, that's a close. Like guys can educate me better than I, I know. <laughs> um, but I will say on the self-care side of things, like I had no problem spending whatever it took for me to be happy and in hotels and going out to eat with my friends. I made this time and this commitment to me and I wasn't worried about it. I was, I knew that even if I spent, and I'll just make up a number, 10 grand on the last five weeks, I could have lost that in two days and if I was still gambling. You know, we, we calculated it in rehab and the, my estimated loss was over a million dollars through my life. So money's just not that important to me. And, and people don't understand that. Like it's a lot of people need it for security. Um, and to feel better better about themselves. Like a lot of people associate their worth with what they make. And, you know, I keep saying this over and over, but some of the richest people I've met are people who have nothing, you know? Yes. Yes. I just, I just turned down a, the most money I've ever been offered yesterday. And I feel amazing about it. I know that it would stress me out. It would screw up my self-care routine and that I wasn't going to be appreciated. And I was not going to take that risk for my mental space. Cause then I don't have the time to serve. I don't have the time to work on me. And it wasn't about money. Mm. You know, I wanted to help, but I, it, it wasn't a good fit. So I'll take being a, a new entrepreneur over a corporate worker anymore for me. That's what works. Yeah. Congratulations on leaving your full-time job. That's amazing. Way to go. Thank you. Yeah, it felt good. It was, it was a great job. Like when I got out of rehab, I relocated back to New York and it definitely helped me progress the last few years. And it taught me so many things. My favorite things that it taught me is how not to treat my team. Like I want to know what my team thinks and I value their opinion and I value their quality time and their self-care time and their family time. And I will do everything in my power to protect my people in the way I wanted to be protected. Do you still have the same circle of friends that you did back then? I have to ask, are you familiar? Are you with the 12 step programs? No. Nope. Do you have any exposure to 12 step programs? Not really. No. Like gamblers anonymous. No. Your questions are very in tune to things they teach. So that's oh, what I really? was asking. So just by experience of listening to people, you know, and, and listening to their stories. And I've spoken with a lot of people and learned through them. But um, personally, no, I haven't. I know a little bit about um, there's a group called um, Children of Adult Alcoholics. So I know a little bit yeah. about that, um, but not with the specific programs. No. Wow. 
but you're you're very wise. Oh. So your your question was about friends, keeping the same circle of people and stuff in your life. And in the in the program, we're taught that we might not be able to do that, right? Because they could be triggers, as we talked about earlier. This is another thing I'm super grateful for is there's people that I gambled with, like played poker with every weekend that still love and support my recovery. And I'm starting to see the unconditional love that I have with the people in my life. I've never been, anybody I've come clean to, no one has said anything other than I'm proud of you or yay. Like it's been amazing. Even, even at my corporate job, I told the bosses, you know, it, it didn't, I want to be as transparent as possible. Um, so we don't necessarily run the same, like we won't go to the casino, obviously, and people support me that, that way. And there was another, oh, the other point I wanted to make is I also feel like, so you know how there's faith-based entrepreneurs? I want to open a category called recovery based entrepreneurs so i want people in this space to be able to not fall into the same old 12-step programs if that works for someone great but i don't want the judgment and the stigma and all that stuff around it i want to help set the tone for change and and whatever works for different people whether it's books or podcasts or church whatever it is mm -hmm. i want everybody to know whatever their way is, is the right way, as long as they're working on it. Yeah. And you don't have to be, I think that's great. You don't have to have, um, gambling addiction. You can insert any type of, you know, addiction in there. You can, you know, the principles I think are the same, the, you know, the principles of, of uh, being okay with who you are without that. Yes. You're a hundred percent. Right. I just started dabbling a little bit more I've had alcoholics and drug addicts on my show, but I recently had uh, a porn addict, a meth addict, an opioid addict. Like I'm branching out. We've talked about food addiction quite a bit. And that's what I'm seeing as well. Everybody's educating me on the fact that it, you know, the thing, the common problems keep showing up no matter what it is. Yeah. And I think we all need to educate ourselves, you know, because... People tend to label and um, disassociate it as a problem and more of a like judgment of what type of person you are, you know, label you as something as opposed to really accepting it as a problem until you know somebody close to you that suffers with a type of addiction. You, you don't know, you don't see what it does to the person, what it does to the family, how, how much they struggle. We just, you know, oh, that's just, oh yeah, she's addicted to drugs or whatever, you know, like they must come from a bad home, you know, and 99% of the people that I've been interviewing, they come from a loving family and they come from, it has nothing to do with what people think, you know, anybody could be addicted to something like I'm addicted to food. I'm addicted to control sometimes. Like it could be, there's workaholics. There are so many types of addictions, you know, and one is not better than the other is not better than the other. Just, they just, it's something that controls us like for my definition, it's something that, you know, it's a problem when your whole life revolves around it, right? You know, it's a problem when, uh, you make your decisions based on that. Like I don't have an addiction, but I have anxiety. So I know when it got bad because 
the way I lived my life and what I decided to do or not do was based on my reaction of how, you know, was I going to have a panic attack? Was I going to, you know, you isolate and you avoid things. If you're avoiding things and you're making decisions in your life with that thought in front all the time, then you have a problem, no matter if it's severe depression or it's gambling or sex addiction or whatever, you know, that's when you know it's controlling you. Yeah, that's a great way of simplifying it. It doesn't have to be a homeless person with a needle in their arm. You know, that's just not the way it works. You know, there are so many CEOs that are addicted to so many things and there's so many different levels of, you know, and I just really wish that people would stop labeling you know, like we help a lot of the homeless people here in our town and, you know, people are like, well, yeah, but you know, maybe they don't want to help them. It's like, if you're not, don't be ignorant. Like if you're not educated, you know, like I always say on this podcast, if you could be the one person that helps that person rather than puts them down, you know, be that if you're listening and you don't have a problem with these things, great. But if you're not doing anything to help a friend, you're just as bad, you know, you're, you're not helping either, right? So I love yes. that I love that you've come so far. Congratulations. It's a lot of hard work, I'm sure. It's definitely daily efforts. And yeah. and I really I have to thank my my listeners for being there for me every day. I feel like I'm in my own Gamblers Anonymous meeting or, you know, I do the readings. It starts my day off right where I have to think about my recovery as well as practicing what I preach. Yeah. Like that's a huge thing. And it's the standard between trying to be a good example for Kai and and this practice what I preach. If I tell you to do the work and to go do the hard stuff, I have to do it too. And, and I've documented that in some of the cases and it's powerful. It's been powerful. Yeah. And it's okay to come on and say, hey guys, you know, to your listeners, I'm having a hard day. Like if you're having a hard day, you know, join the club. You don't always have to come on and be like, you know, today's the best day and have fake life and all these things. Like, I think it's great that your show is not just about gambling as well. It's just about perseverance and just doing the best you can, right? With Well, thank you. So, so what does your life look like now? Well, that's what I've been trying to figure out the last four or five weeks. I don't know. I feel so free to be completely honest. It's pretty freeing at the moment. I have to figure out what it's going to look like now. How do I incorporate my, my classes and my clients and my work? My last industry, I knew the routine. So I have to go back and build a routine, but it's so nice to know, like I can go to Zumba on Tuesday mornings. I don't have to go to the office. Um, I get to go back and, and, one of my intentions is I'm going to call every single client that we have on the virtual assistant side and check in with them because we are a new business. Make sure that we're giving them everything they need. So you mentioned that you're writing a book. I am, I'm working on two myself. Awesome. Um, co-authoring with a bunch of girls. And then um, one started as kind of a way to heal from the guy, but I kind of got over him. So I got to revisit it. I may be starting from scratch or it just may have a happy ending now that we're friends again. Um, so there's a lot of, a lot of things, but winter's coming. So for me, I will go hunker down, you know, like I'll be off the grid. I did my socializing. Like I'm very good at bucketing things. Good. So now it's, it's time to hibernate for the winter and focus on the businesses. 
Yeah, I hope to get there one day too. You know, I'm trying to write a book and I'm creating an online course um, that'll go with the book. And I still work full time, but I'm hoping to to be able to impact more people and one day leave that job so I can do this full time and help people all over the world because it's what I really want to do. And it's what helps me at the end of the day through all of my mental illness is my like my best therapy is to help like the feeling that I get when I help somebody else that's my therapy right there you know nothing makes me feel like that it's like that fuzzy feeling that I can't get through drinking I can't get through anything you know and that's what I want to do too but it's funny when people say because somebody explained it to me this way it's weird when you're when you're an adult and you're taking orders from an adult that's your boss I always found that (laughs) Like a funny way to explain it, you know, I no longer want to take orders from another adult on how I'm going to live my life, you know, not not through work because, you know, like, like you said, with money, it's, I'm so happy that, you know, you turn that thing down because you have to align like money is important. And there's no much you can do when you don't have any. Um, But you have to align it with your purpose and with your heart. You know, if you don't, it won't matter what you're you know, I would rather make $500, but know that I can impact and donate some of that to somebody than make $1,000 and just buy something that I don't even need with it. You know, if I can give some of that back, right? So it's not about how much you have. It's about, I think, having enough that you can give some of it away. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what's kind of funny because a lot of people don't understand my position on this like my mother cried when she found out I gave up my job you know it was a good job but I can make six figures every year all the time but that doesn't get me to the millions I need to break ground on my construction and my dreams so I got to figure out how to make more money not because again that I need things I just need to be able to set it up I can't help people if I don't have it. That's why a tool is the best way to describe it, I think, for me. Yeah, do some fundraising, yeah. girl. I love your idea. You got to get some people behind you. I, I would love to see that come, you know, come to, like, reality. That's going to be amazing. I love when people take their struggles and turn it into helping other people with the same thing. Because, you know, it means so much more, too, to the person you're helping, you know, because if you haven't been through it and you don't know the pains and then you go to help somebody, they're like, well, why should I take your advice? Because I've been there. You know, it makes it so right. much more real. And I think it helps people more in the end than for somebody that hasn't really been through what they're trying to teach, you know? Exactly. Uh, that's a good point. I wish you all the best with that, though. I think it's going to be incredible. So it's sort of that what you're calling it is the recovery safe entrepreneur space. Is that what you were calling it? The recovery playground. Playground. Sorry. And yeah, the recovery playground. So essentially, it's a place. I want it to be a safe place where people in recovery can go to cure boredom and have as a resource. It'll be like adult entertainment. Mm. Um not in the way that those two words sound together, <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's really hard to explain that way. <laughs> but if you can picture going somewhere where there's a pool table, like we have pool leagues and dart leagues, right? But they're all in a bar. So I want to offer things like that, that keep people taking care of themselves with the things I believe in. That's awesome. It sounds like you want to build a community of sort of like a rec center for adults, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like... Yeah, you know something cool 
build a community where people don't have to go it, through it alone, where they're around people who are struggling right side with them, but who are celebrating their wins with them too, right? You need that. Yes. And when you're around maybe friends that don't understand, you can't really get that sense of belonging like you can in a community of, of like-minded people. Exactly. I'm going to tell you a secret since I know that this won't launch until after the first of the year. So I've already made the announcement, but what I'm going to declare next year is I'm going to figure out how to make a million dollars next year. Cause I've lost a million gambling. Right. And I want to raise a million. And like you, you mentioned having people in my corner, I could probably go to an investor. I believe that my idea is so good that investors would invest today but I don't want to do that. I want to show the gamblers that you can start from being in the hole and, and like do the Rocky version of the story. And I want to raise the money myself. And I'm going to document the whole journey through social media and my shows. So yeah. So I'm going to figure it out. Cause I look at it as every business is basically just solving a problem, right? So if we figure out the solution, then we make money or income or, or whatever. And if that doesn't work, we try something new. So I think that anything is possible now that oh I have my that God. attitude. I love it. Good for you. I'm so proud of you. And you know what the best part of the story is? What's that? That when you do make, because I believe that you'll do it, when you do make the million dollars, that you're going to put it toward this project, that you're not going to the ga- gamble it away. That's the most special part of this whole story. I like that. Thank you for calling that out. It's yeah, yeah it's a daily struggle like alcohol, like anything, right? So if you can keep that yes. and it, you know, sometimes we dream about things that seem so far-fetched to other people, but we know that we can turn those dreams into something. You just, you have to believe it and work your butt off. But it doesn't feel like work when you know it's on the other side. Like if you're, if this is what you're passionate about, you're going to do it. You're going to get it done. No matter if people tell you you're crazy or you're aiming too high or, you know, we all have the mothers that are like cringing when we lose their jobs or whatever. Well, that's why I want to document it is I want to show people how to navigate life in that. Oh, the point of documenting the journey, the way goals are attainable, no matter how big they are and that it just takes the work. And I'm going to show them the fails. I'm going to show them the wins and I'm just going to talk everybody through it so that they can see. And I'll be spreading the word about gambling addiction in the meanwhile. So it's, uh, that's what my road trip gave me was that clarity on how to execute my plan. And that's, that's what I'm going to do. And I can see when, when the world is a little bit more social, I can see you doing (laughs) like a talk, like at the school or like just sharing your, your message in schools as well, because you said a, a lot of the prime for you was, was in your young years. So I think that that's important that people recognize that, you know, it's not just fun. It can lead to a problem, just like anything, too much alcohol, too much this, too much that, you know, too much technology. Yeah, it's true. It's so easy to hide now. So easy to hide. Yes. Yeah. Where can we find you? I mean, if people want to reach out to you and learn about what you're doing, do you want to share with us where they can uh, find Bobby? I will say listeners can find me on any podcast platform at three, two, one, no kidding. Oh, the one thing I did want to say, like if they want to find me on Instagram, it's Bobby, the awesome underscore three, two, one, no kidding. 
And that's actually my brand is Bobby the Awesome. And I want people to know that it's okay to be confident and to love yourself. Like that's another part of the messaging. So it, it took me a long time. I'm sure there's a school of people that are like, who's this crazy lady? But you know what? This is the way we need to be. Like we need to, for some reason, we're so hard on ourselves and I don't like those voices in my head. I like the one who says I am awesome and I can do whatever I need to do. And um, that's part of why I won't give that up. And that's that's where that handle comes from. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. I'm glad you you talk about that because you know, we are our worst judgments. Like we're so hard on ourselves. And I think it's because we're afraid that if we succeed, people will think that we think we're better than them. Although that's really not how we think. Yes. But you know what I mean, right? Like that's true. That's yeah. They talk about, you know, the fear of failure. Well, I, it's a mix, right? Some people are afraid of failure and some people are afraid of success. And I think you did a really nice job articulating the why it's not that they're not rooting for us, but they think that our perception changes as we grow. And I don't think anything can be further from the truth. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, it's like earlier when you were saying, you know, I'm not saying this because, you know, I want you to pity me or or I'm not saying this because I want to show off about this, you know, but it's okay to talk about your wins, you know, and in my trailer, I talk about how um, it's not conceited to talk about ourselves. It's brave. It's hard to do. It is. It's hard. But if we're not going to do it, who's going to do it for us? Like we all have to speak up. And I think we need to teach other people to do it. Exactly. I love that we're so aligned. <laughs> That's great. We do. <laughs> Thank you so much, Bobby, for coming on and stopping on your journey through the States there. I hope you get home safely. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And, and I would love to have you on a, as a guest on my show too. Oh. So I will stay connected. I really appreciate your perspective. That's awesome. I'd be honored to be on your show. Thank you so much for the invite. I love it. And you know, whatever I can do to help you get to that dream, like reach out to me. Like, you know, I think this is, I, I love what you're doing. I honestly do. I love that you're giving Thanks. back with what you've learned. It's, it's beautiful. It's fun too. Who would have sunk? <laughs> well, you have a good night and drive safe, okay? Thank you. Have a good night as well. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe or leave a review. See you next week on the Giving Starts With You podcast.